Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello. Hi, beloved family. So good to be with you. We're still audio, um, but we're getting the Internet together. It's very promising, so we'll be back on video soon. Um, we have been going through uh, the book of First Peter, and the reason is that um, I've been looking for something that will give us instructions on how to live during this insane time in the world and in the church and a time of persecution. And we have hardly seen persecution yet, I believe. I think it's much more is, is to come. And so uh, Peter, St. Peter, our first Pope, our first Jewish Pope, um, has written to the first Christians, all Jews, who were dispersed through Asia Minor because the Jews, uh, Jesus the Messiah is Jewish, he came to his own, and he came through the Jews, for the Jews, and for the whole world. But those to whom he came, uh, the Jewish nation, in large measure, not completely, did not believe it was him. And so those who did believe, who are the foundation of the church, the apostles and prophets, um, were persecuted by the Jewish people, their own people, who didn't believe. And so they were scattered all through Asia Minor. And Peter writes to the dispersion to the Christians, to the Jews who believed in the Jewish Messiah, uh, who are all over and being persecuted. And we are now at the end of chapter 3, and he's spoken about all that we have in being beloved of God, and we may suffer now for a while, but we suffer because of him whom we love and who loves us. Um, and he talks about right living, husbands loving your wives, wives loving your husbands. And now today... Toward the end of chapter 3, he's speaking about suffering for doing right. <laughs> and he says, finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love of the brethren, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you have been called, that you may obtain a blessing. And then he quotes the Old Testament. He says, for he that would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do right. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. <clears throat> And he concludes by saying, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is right? But even if you do suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, reverence Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you, and yet do it with gentleness and reverence. We spoke about this yesterday. To make a defense, 
is not to be defensive. It is to give a reasoned explanation. Uh, defense, is that word in scripture, is apologia, which means to give, not be defensive again, but to give a reasoned explanation for the hope that is within you. Um, and he says, um, just a moment now, keep your conscience clear so that when you are abused, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing right. If that should be God's will, then for doing wrong. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, not like Noah's people who went through the flood, but as an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the waters of baptism, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Beloved, you should sit down at night, dear fathers, and, and read this. Read this to your families. It is so, so, so beautiful. Um, and gives us all our marching instructions. So we're on now First Peter chapter 4. And the subject is being good stewards of God's grace. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same thought. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer by human passions, but by the will of God. Let the time that is past suffice for doing what the Gentiles like to do, living in licentiousness, passions, drunkenness, revels, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you do not now join them in the same wild um, profligacy, uh, sorry, profligacy, and they abuse you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached to men, was preached even to the dead, that though judged in the flesh like men, they might live in the spirit like God. The gospel is preached to those who are spiritually dead. Um, that even though they are judged, judged in the flesh by like men, they would live in the spirit like God. Beloved, um, there's much more here, but anytime you struggle, dear ones, go to Scripture. Go to Scripture. Read the Psalms. Read First and Second Peter. Read the entire New Testament. And then read the entire Old Testament. It, it's everything God has left us for living for life, for godliness, everything that God has given us to live this life, to live, to be saints, to be in the world and not be of it. And Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. 
Therefore, keep sane and sober for your prayers. Above all, hold unfailing your love for one another. Since love covers a multitude of sins, practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another. As each has received a gift, employ it for one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who utters oracles of God, whoever renders service as one who renders it by the strength which God supplies, in order everything in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you as though something strange were happening to you. Dear ones, we need to know what it is to be in the world and not of it. And that doesn't mean not being affected by the world. It doesn't mean being totally separate from the world. It means being in the world, a Christian in the midst of an evil age, dear ones, that people who are slandered and who fight back and who uh, entertain immorality and give in to many things because they're not so bad, and you don't, and you don't go in, give in, and they call you a prude, and they call you all kinds of things. Don't worry about that. Ask our Lord to make your, what they think is prudish, um, a holy sign of God's love to them with someone who will not compromise with what it really means to be a Christian. I think I told before the story during World War II of Nazis that came in and they came into a group of Christians who were praying together in a little room in a building and they broke down the door with their rifles and they came in and they said, okay, but there might have been maybe two dozen people in the room. I don't know how many. And the soldiers simply said to them, uh, whoever wants to live needs to deny Christ and leave this room. And a few people did right away. They were afraid. And oh, uh, maybe three quarters of them stayed. And they said, okay, this is your last chance. You, you can leave now. You can deny Christ and leave the room. If you leave the room, whether you say so or not, you are denying Christ and you will live. And whoever remains in this room will be shot. And so another several people left. And then the soldiers closed the door and the people who were left assumed they'd be shot and killed. The soldiers closed the door, put down their rifles, sat down and said to those few left in the room, we want to know what it is to be a Christian. You see, beloved, it takes nothing to live in the world and to be of them. But to be a Christian, we may be shot, but we may um, really, by our uncompromising lives, God through us may save many souls that way. There's the music, dear ones, for our first break. We'll be right back after the break. And after the second break, as always, we'll take your calls, your emails. The toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at We'll be right back.
Are you looking for a simple, creative, and easy way to give to the Station of the Cross? Consider a transfer of stock to help us continue evangelizing our world over the airwaves, through mobile devices, and through our website. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QSIP number of those shares. That's 1-877-888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. It raises the question, I think, for a convert like me or for a cradle Catholic is, why are we seeing the human leadership of the Catholic Church steer the Church in a direction that doesn't seem consistent with Catholicism of the last 1900 years? That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. We hear all the time from listeners who discovered the station by seeing a Tri-God bumper magnet in traffic. You can request a free bumper magnet and start evangelizing just by driving around town. Go to thestationofthecross.com and click on Promotional Material under the About tab. There you can request a magnet for your listening area. We even have one for the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Request yours today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm here. But the video will come in the next few days. Blessed be God, we pray. Um, we are reading the first letter of Peter, who we uh, uh, explained earlier in the program. Peter was writing to the first Christians, all Jewish, because Christianity is Jewish, because um, our Lord's uh, title is Christ. His name is not Mr. Christ. He's Jesus the Christ. Um, Yeshua HaMashiach in Hebrew is Joshua the Messiah or into the Greek of our Lord's Day um, Jesus uh, uh, Christos and into English it's his title it means the Christ Messiah, Redeemer, Anointed One is what it means and so um, he came to his own say those who his own receive him, but as many as did receive him, God gave him the power to become children of God. And um, so the first uh, Christians, uh, the first followers of the Messiah were Jewish. And um, when the Jews who did not believe rejected their belief, um, they persecuted them. 
when Peter, who became their leader, the Pope, their first Pope, the first Jewish Pope, um, is writing to what he calls the dispersion of the Jewish groups who dispersed all over the Mediterranean um, because of their faith. They were dispersed uh, by other Jews. And so Peter writes two letters, first and second Peter to them, um, in the dispersion, telling them to be sold to Christ, to live And in chapter 4, he says, um, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, and, and beloved, this is for us today, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, keep sane and sober for your prayers. Above all, hold unfailing love for one another. Since love covers a multitude of sins, practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another, as each has received a gift, employ it for one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who utters oracles of God, whoever renders service as one who renders it by the strength which God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And he continues here. That's where we left off just before the break. And he says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or a wrongdoer, or a mischief maker. Yet if one suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But under that name, let him glorify God. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous man is scarcely saved, where will the impious and sinner appear? Therefore, he says, let those who suffer according to God's will do right and entrust their souls to a faithful creator. Beloved, <clears throat> you need to read this to your children, to your family, to your spouse, to your friends. Um, and... Um, Encourage one another to loving good works, to heroism, to faithfulness, no matter what you're faced with. Um, uh, we'll never suffer as Christ did. Um, and he opened not his mouth. As long as we suffer for him, um, we will be protected. Even if we die, we will be protected. Let me just see now. Um, hold on a moment. If I can go... Uh, Okay, here, one more. Chapter 5, let's start on that, and then we'll complete it tomorrow. <clears throat> Peter continues, Now to these dispersed, persecuted Jewish Christians of the first century, he says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Tend to the flock of God that is your charge not by constraint, but willingly, 
not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not as domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd is manifest, you will obtain the unfading crown, crown of glory. Likewise, you that are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I wish every bishop and every priest, every cardinal, um, would heed these words of our Lord, because there's a handful of faithful bishops today and priests. And uh, as far as the sheep can see, you uh, the the um, the shepherds for the most part have abandoned the sheep. Not totally. There are many good shepherds still and good priests, but for the most part, um, especially. Um, higher up, have abandoned the sheep, and it might be better if they abandon the sheep than lead them astray, which they're doing right now. The synod and synodality is what's coming out of that is pure evil, because it will um, feed poison to the sheep. And most of the sheep are not uh, knowledgeable in their faith, because three generations have not been taught the faith and are lost to the faith. And so they will not know what to believe. Many have already left the church because they didn't know what the church was. So shepherds, it's not me, of course, but our Lord says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, in Peter's writing, as a fellow elder. He is uh, uh, first among bishops. He says, as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker, in the glory that is to be revealed, tend to the flock of God that is your charge. Right now, our Holy Father and cardinals and many bishops are not tending to the flock of God. You are destroying the flock of God. You are seeking to change the church which cannot be changed, to change doctrine which absolutely cannot be changed. Truth cannot be changed. The deposit of faith was once for all given to the saints by our Lord. And truth never, ever changes. Its understanding can deepen. Its application can widen. But not never can it contradict the essence of that truth. And so St. Peter says, Tend to the flock of God that is your charge, not to have power over them, dear bishops and priests. Not by constraint, by willingly, but willingly, not the shameful gain, but eagerly, not as domineering above those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And so if you're a bishop and you're domineering uh, <clears throat> over priests in your charge because they're speaking truth, because they're celebrating the mass of ages, um, because they care for their flock and tell them not to get the COVID shot, all of that, um, if you lord it over them, um, you domineer them, a uh, shepherd has no power of position, no position of power. Shepherd cannot force sheep. They can lead them, and the sheep follow them, but the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And if you begin speaking against the faith, the sheep know that, and they gather together, and they protect themselves. 
and they will not listen to a false shepherd. And so Peter says to the shepherds, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. And he says to the sheep as well, cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares about you. Same to the bishops and priests. He cares. Be sober. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Form faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering is required of your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Um, <clears throat> and he ends his letter by saying, By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you that are in Christ. Um, uh, she who is in Babylon, who is likewise chosen. We're not talking about the whore of Babylon and, and false uh, prophets, but um, the faith that is spread through the Mediterranean um, in Rome uh, and all over. So, beloved, all we need to do, what are we supposed to do in this age? Read the first and second letters of Peter and follow what Peter says. It's what our Lord has taught him. And, um, and those are our marching orders. And if we feel we have a different solution, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. Our Lord has commanded us to be in the world and not of it. And then he's given us shepherds and written it for all time to tell us how. So I beg you, if you are shepherds, to read these letters and treat your flocks accordingly. If you're silent about the atrocities today and you abandon the sheep, and you do abandon them if you're silent, I, I personally believe that for a shepherd to be silent is grave sin. Not to judge of that, what I believe. It's grave sin. Uh, not just sin, but grave sin if you're silent because the sheep knows the shepherd's voice. He has nowhere else to follow. And if you're silent, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to believe. Um, he's been taught to respect the Holy Father and the Magisterium. And if you don't protect him from errors, um, he's not going to know. He's going to be lost. And it's going to be on your soul when you face God. Shepherds, be courageous. Um, come out from false shepherds and don't go along with them. Don't want to be popular either with shepherds or sheep. You're accountable to Jesus Christ, the true shepherd. Do not abandon him. Do not abandon your calling, your vocation. Do not abandon us. Abandon us, your sheep. We need you. We pray for you. We need you. We will do anything to support a good and holy, faithful priest. We will protect you in our homes. We will support you in every single way if you are a true shepherd. If you're not... Uh, we must turn from you for the salvation of our own souls.
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for October 25th. Today we celebrate Blessed Antonio de Sant'Anna Galvan. Born near San Paulo, Brazil in 1739, Antonio briefly entered a Jesuit seminary before deciding on the Franciscans. Following his ordination, he served as a preacher and confessor. Within a few years, he was appointed confessor to a group of area nuns. He went on to co-found a new community of women religious under the patronage of Our Lady of the Conception of Divine Providence. The premature death of the first superior caused Padre Antonio to take on more responsibilities for the new congregation, especially for building a convent and church adequate for their growing numbers. At his beatification ceremony in 1998, Pope John Paul II praised Blessed Antonio for working on behalf of women religious and for dedicating himself with love and devotion to the afflicted, the suffering, and the slaves of his era in Brazil. His authentically Franciscan faith, lived and spent in serving his neighbor, should be an encouragement to imitate this man of peace and charity, the Pope concluded. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. I love this half hour, and I love hearing from you with anything whatsoever. Uh, the toll-free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. Our lines are open. You're welcome to call in at any time during this half hour, including during the break. And our email is mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have an email from Kate. Kate says, hi, Mother Miriam. I hope you are safe, healthy, and happy in your new home in Texas. We are. We're doing really well. Very happy to be here. She says, I love listening to your show, and I'm grateful for all the tips you share. And Katie, I'm wondering if there's anything wrong with telling the occasional white lie, that is, small lies, that have no real detrimental effect on anyone, told only for specific reasons. And she says, for example, our beloved family dog passed away earlier this year after many years with us. My kids were devastated and were asking a lot of questions. In an attempt to console them, I told them that surely our dog would be in heaven and looking down on us and waiting there to greet us again someday, so long as we do our part to make it to heaven. 
In reality, the fact remains that I have no idea what happened to the soul of our dog after he died, but the church does not necessarily believe that dogs and other animals go to heaven. Am I doing the right thing in trying to put my kids at ease, or am I unintentionally leading them astray? Thank you for your help. Katie, you are not doing the right thing. Uh, you are leading them astray. And you say in the beginning of your letter, white lie, that is small lies that have no real detrimental effect on anyone. This will have a detrimental effect on your children because instead of teaching them about the goodness and the sovereignty and the wisdom of God, you're teaching them that we can make up whatever we want to, um, to console us. That our uh, peace, that our happiness, that our being able to accept an answer to a sad situation it is more important than uh, the reason that God allows things as he does. And you're not teaching them about God. And when they grow up, um, if they follow the pattern, what you're doing now to console them, um, they're going to do whatever consoles them for whatever tragedies come their way instead of putting their trust in God, even when they don't know the answers. So, Katie, dear, um, I would go to confession on that. And um, just... It, 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 Again, you say unintentional, but you did it intentionally to console them. And I would just tell the priest that you, uh, if you do believe, you made the wrong choice. And again, uh, are leading your children in the wrong direction concerning their knowledge of God uh, and their trust in him. So um, if we learn that God is like us, we will uh, go astray. Um, Jesus said, I'm not such a one as you. The Old Testament says, I'm not such a one as you. Um, so it, it's good, Katie, to teach your children that God is God and not us. And he doesn't do things like we do or wish him to do. In fact, whatever he does is better and wiser and more loving, even if we cannot understand it right now. He's the potter, we are the clay. So it, it is such a situation a situation like this in the future, I would say um, uh, just let your children know that you do not know what happens to the soul of animals. And the church does not teach uh, that they're in heaven. Uh, they have souls, but they don't have human souls. Uh, we're not, they're not made in the image of God. And so uh, we don't know what happens to them any more than we know what happens to unbaptized babies. But we can, we can say, oh, I'm sure they're in heaven. You can do that, but you're creating a God of your own making. We can say that God is good and holy and wise and all-loving. He's the God who put his son on the cross for us. And the God of all the earth will do what is perfect. And we leave that in God's hands. Whether it's an unbaptized child or a dog or any other situation that we don't understand. Um... We have an email from Lawrence who says, if a man and a woman get married and are open to new life, but one of them is close to raising the children already granted them by God, is that situation one where an annulment may be obtained? Lawrence, I, I think you have to write a clearer email. I don't really understand what you're asking. 
if a man and woman get married, now I'm assuming it's they're both Catholic and their marriage is in a sac- it's sacramental in a Catholic church and they're open to new life. I'm assuming that. You didn't say it. <clears throat> but one of them is close to the raising of children already granted them by God. So I don't know if you mean that one of the spouses had been previously married children. Uh, I, I don't know, because if one of the spouses had children previously, uh, and the spouse that he, the one he's going to marry or she's going to marry is not open to raising those children, how on earth can they get married? I, I don't understand it, Lawrence. So, um, how could you be close to the raising of children already granted them by God and get married and everybody live in the same home? Um, or is this they were married and everything's fine and then one spouse changed their mind and is against the children of the other spouse? You don't know, Lawrence. I'm so sorry. Um, I don't think an annulment is in order here because if one of them is close to raising the raising of the children already granted them by God, um, I don't know if at the time of the wedding they were opposed to that. Because if they were opposed to that, I don't know how they would have gotten married. So, Lawrence, dear one, um, um, if you could write a, a longer email uh, with more specifics and, and a little clearer that I, I might be able to help. <clears throat> um, dear Mother Miriam, this is from Naomi. Naomi says, I'm writing to you from Sourbridge, England. I listen to you every day, and you have been a wonderful spiritual director to me over this past year after discovering you via LifeSite News. I'm so happy, Naomi. And the only reason you discovered me by LifeSite News is because um, Station of the Cross um, is in partnership with LifeSite News and sends the programs to them. I'm so grateful to these two outstanding apostles. Naomi says we are incredibly blessed who live close to a place called Harvington Hall, home of the Midland Martyrs, St. John Wall, and St. Nicholas Owen, and we attend the church dedicated to them. On Sunday, my son, who is 13, was denied communion on the tongue. He has never received communion in the hand, even from his first communion. His hands have never touched Christ's body. As I stood behind my son waiting for a blessing, I saw that he had been refused, and the priest had told him to use his hands. My son declined. Good for your son. I gently stepped forward and whispered to my son to step away. After my blessing, we returned to our pew, and my son was tearful. Well, this email continues, but... I'm going to take it that um, that you're not Catholic, Naomi, or at least a Catholic uh, not in a state of grace who could receive the Eucharist. And if that's the case, you shouldn't be called up to communion at all, because communion is to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. It's not the place to get a blessing. I know the Church does that, but it's wrong. And then Naomi continues, after Mass... <clears throat> The priest took us to one side and said it was his choice how he gives communion, citing the rise in COVID. It's not his choice. The priest is wrong. 
it is not his choice. The church has spoken. It is canon law that reception of communion on the tongue is the norm in the hands is the exception. It is not his choice. It is the choice of the communicant. And so she says, after Mass, the priest took us to one side and said it was his choice how he gives communion. Citing the rise in COVID and that he has to think about all the other people he has to serve. He works between parishes. He's absolutely wrong. Um, And she says, my son was polite and said that he understood. The priest had told my son to consider having Holy Communion in the hand. Having stood reverently until this moment, I told the priest that while he felt it was his choice whether to give my son Holy Communion on the tongue, it is our choice to refuse communion in the hand. He turned to my son and told him to think about it. I reaffirmed our position. That would never happen. We bid the priest a good day and left. Well, shame on the priest. <clears throat> he's not only disobeying the church, um, but he's also uh, disobeying the authority of the parents. He ignored what you said and told your son to think about it after what you said. He doesn't respect you, authority, or parenting. Naomi says, Mother Miriam, I wept. How could this happen? It happens because the faith is lost. That's why. It's because the faith, nothing that priest said is valid. He has to care about other people. Absolutely not. In fact, um, it, it is more, it, it's been proven um, less detrimental for priests to serve communion on the tongue than in the hand. It's less detrimental. Um, <clears throat> Naomi says, where is the faith? It's gone, Naomi. I never had to challenge a priest before, nor does it sit well with me. I know it shouldn't sit well with you. Where is the reverence for our Lord's body? It's gone, Naomi. The priest will deny that, but it's gone. I know we did the right thing. Yes, you did. I know in my heart we did. We now have to find out when this priest is taking mass so that we can go to another church. This is not a problem for us. We go to Mass for the word of the Eucharist. The building is irrelevant. What would those martyrs think who gave their lives for Christ? Your wisdom would be welcome. God bless Naomi. Naomi, I think just as you do. Just as you do. That priest has lost his faith, and nothing he says is valid. It is not his choice. If you consider other people in other churches, um, that has nothing to do with serving communion on the tongue. He doesn't have to touch your tongue. All he's doing is holding the host. Um, he doesn't have to touch your tongue. And so um, um, he's totally wrong. He has lost respect for the Eucharist. Um, if he cares more about COVID and germs, um, he has lost a lot of his priesthood uh, and his calling and his vocation. Um, what would the martyrs think who gave their lives for Christ? Exactly what you and I think. So um, go to a different mass, go to a different priest whenever you can, uh, and do not receive communion in the hand. Uh, but Naomi, I do have that question of why you go up to receive a blessing. Uh, that is not correct. I know it's people do it. I know the church does it, even at Latin masses. Um, I see priests at a Latin Mass bless the tiny babies that mothers are holding. 
that's a beautiful thing. But to just come up with your hands crossed to the priest uh, for a blessing, I think is um, tragic. And all these children who come up with their hands crossed over their chest, they're, they're taught to say no to God, and they're not even taught to bow or genuflect. They're coming up before God, and they're saying, don't give me your body, because maybe they're not of age or whatever the reason. But, um, but if they have any idea that they're going up before God, they need to genuflect, or they need to at least do a profound bow, and they're not taught that. And so what's the difference one day when they finally receive communion? It will mean very little to them. It's a very, very bad practice. Children or anyone, adults, not receiving Holy Communion or not in the state of grace for whatever reason at that Mass need to remain in their seats and ask our Lord for spiritual communion, but not go up to the altar rail. So what does the world need? You ever think about that question? I want you to ask yourself that question right now. I want you to think about that idea. What does the world need? You know, so often I think we ask young people, and it's a good question, but it may not be the best question. We ask young people, what do you want to be when you grow up? And maybe a better question might be, what does God want you to be? So what does the world need? What does God, who we believe is a loving father, what does God, your loving father, want for you? I challenge you this morning to pray this prayer. I challenge you to really seriously step back from the chaos of the world and talk to God and say, my Lord Jesus Christ, speak to my heart. Tell me what the world needs. It needs you and me to be wheat and salt and light and leaven and encouragement. That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. People tell us, you know, abortion is just a small percentage of our business model, but yet when the abortion opponent goes away, the clinic disappears overnight. You look at their annual reports, abortions go up, all those other services go down. Uh, this is like McDonald's saying that, you know, making french fries is just a 3% of their business. No, it, it drives everything. The Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Uh, We are live, and you've got about 10 minutes if there's anything on your heart. You're welcome to call in. Um, Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the com. We have a caller on the line. Dorota, is it, in Connecticut? 
Anyway, hello, Mother. It's such Hi. a joy to talk to you. Hello. Hello. I'm glad you called I am a in, great, one. I am a great fan of yours. You make a big difference in, in my faith and the faith of my family. And I try Thanks to listen to, to you daily. And I try to listen to you daily. And uh, I'm calling from Connecticut. And uh, I decided to volunteer at my local parish to teach the uh, eighth grade for confirmation as a two-year process. And at the first class, um, I asked students about their feelings, how what do they think about the sacrament, and few of them said they don't want to be there. They do not want to receive the confirmation that they rather play sports. I was deeply concerned about that because I recognize they don't have a proper disposition for the sacrament. But I addressed this to my uh, director and as well as our local deacon. And they said that we should continue through the process. So trusting them, I will continue. But continue some of the process, uh-huh, go ahead. Some of the students misbehaved during the class. And not to my surprise, there were the students who didn't want to be confirmed. So, um, and yesterday I just received the email from a director of religious ed that I've been accused for, I've been accused of racism, which I never accuse anybody. I just properly follow the instructions. But that was one of the students who didn't want to be there and he didn't want to follow the demands of the program. So my question is, should I continue despite of those difficulties? I enjoy teaching and I was a catechist in Poland for many, many years. And I really like working with the students, but I was very surprised by this overwhelming challenge with this group. Yeah, no, you cannot continue as as is now. Number one, the student who accused you of racism cannot get away with that. He must be dealt with. And you need to speak with him. Now, who told you that he accused you of racism? Well, yesterday I was... The director forwarded the email as it wasn't to me. I was CC on that. It was a response to the mother who was calling a director and leaving a message saying that I uh, was making a racist remarks and she was deeply disturbed. Okay, and did she um, tell you what those remarks are? No, no. Okay. I contacted the director... The- you cannot yes. let that boy get away with that because he'll grow up to be the juvenile he's becoming. You must meet with the director and the mother and the boy. And you must, the, the boy has to clarify this because he's accusing you of something very yes. serious. And so you must meet with the director and the mother and the boy and let him Tell that group of adults, say to him, you've accused Miss Dorota of being a racist and making racist remarks. Let us, these are, this is very serious, and we take you seriously. What are those remarks? He must tell you that. He must tell you that and not just make up a story or a lie. He must know that this is serious. 
And so that's number one. That yeah. boy must be uh, um, um, confronted uh, properly because his mother believes him, unfortunately. And this must be dealt with. So don't continue as normal. The second thing to Rhoda is that when a student, when a boy or girl or someone in the confirmation class um, does not want to be prepared for the sacraments, does not want to be there, they should not be there. And you should meet with their mother. You don't make that decision with the child. But you call their parents and you say, your boy does not want to be in this class. He's disturbing the class and we cannot have it. And aside from the fact, the sacraments, receiving the sacraments are an enormous gift of God and a great privilege. And they cannot be received without the faith or by lies or by someone who doesn't want them. We would be teaching them that Catholicism is a lie and to manipulate your way. We would be at fault. So he must not be in the class. And if the mother says, okay, I'll deal with him, say, okay. Um, he must not return to this class until he is ready to come and tell me that he personally wants the sacraments and why. You've got to be very clear. Very, very clear. And if the school, the director puts you out, let them put you out. Don't stay there because you enjoy teaching. Go find another place to teach. But don't let, that, let these children continue their corruption uh, and manipulation. I do enjoy the teaching, but I understand corruption, and I address this to the director and to the deacon, and they basically dismiss me. Well, shame on them. Shame on them. But um, you, need, um, you need to speak with the parents. You need to say to the director, if the mother says, now maybe I have the facts wrong, but the mother of this boy said that you had racist remarks. And you cannot let that go. If the boy's lying, we're going to help him to be a liar and a juvenile. If he's telling the truth, this is very serious, and we must deal with it. So you go to the director. It, it doesn't, we don't care what their feelings are. I wouldn't go to the deacon. Is the deacon in charge of the CCD or, or the director? Uh, generally, it's the director, but the deacon was also helping me. Well, apparently, he's not helping you. So I would go to the director, yeah. and, and if the director, uh, you know, the next one to go to is the priest, not the deacon, is the priest, because okay. the deacon is not on board here. So, um, I mean, he's not giving you good advice. He's dismissing you. This is not to be dismissed. So I would be very clear, not emotional, and speak to the director and say, I want you to know that um, if this boy is lying, that I made racist remarks, because I have no idea what he's talking about, uh, we can't let that happen. We're human beings, we're Catholic, and we have these children responsibility for the morals and the behavior of these children. If they're not raised properly at home, we can't be responsible for that, but we are responsible for what happens in the classroom. And so, uh, so on two counts, we must call him 
to the carpet, so to speak, and let him tell me, you as the teacher, to your face, with the director and his mother present, the racist remarks you made. He must be called on that. He must be made. And if he said, oh, I just don't like the class and wanted to get out, well, at least he'll be honest. And he should not be in the class. And if his mother sends him to sports instead of the class, she's going to ruin her child. Um, if she doesn't I want to go to class, she needs to... What's that? Should I continue to be a, a catechist with this parish, or after dealing with problems, should I leave? No, if they will deal with the problems with you, it would be good for you to stay. If they dismiss you, then you need to leave. All right, sweetheart, I'm sorry. It's the end of our program. We'll speak with you all tomorrow. God bless you.